0: Listening to this by audio, Um, um, it's entitled, um, it's just a matter of time, um, but I'm pretty sure it'll be a part one, and I'm pretty sure that there'll be a part two. That's why I want to get started early so that we can try to get up here by, uh, out of here by 8.15. So, Um, and, uh, and, and as I jump into this, realize that I'm going to say some things, and you, the principle or the mentality of a thing is for you, but maybe not the action of that thing. So so you might hear me say about how the Lord rebuked me about something, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, am I supposed to do that, too? You no, know, everybody is. Spo- how, m- how many know we can all do more? You need to find out what your more is that you can do. And so this is very, very important to y'all, because we we, you know, I can't speak for nobody else. But but it's, it's obvious that the Lord is trying to do a major overhaul here. And, you know, I thought it would be done. And, and the Lord told me, no, you're not close to being done. And so uh, I'm like, just, we didn't crank down some stuff already. He's like, you're not close to being done. So, um, so we'll start off by saying this statement that it is giving is one of God's greatest ways of expressing himself and his love towards you. That's very, very, very important. Um, You will have the ability to receive from God. The more you understand his true nature. Unfortunately, we understand our nature by how our parents treat us. Unfortunately, If your parents weren't there, you'll tend to think God will not be there. If your parents were abusive, you'll see God as a God who wants to beat you up. I met a young lady one time. She had a hard time believing that God loved her more than her natural father did because she had such an excellent father. You know, but it's very important for you to understand the nature of God and that giving is one of God's greatest ways of expressing himself and his love towards you. James chapter one, verse 16 through 17, as we get into this and uh, you're going to really need to pay attention not because it's too deep, but just because the things that God has for you. You know, y'all, God's trying to bring us out. And when I found out that God was trying to bring us out, I wanted to come out. Yeah. <clears throat> James 1, 16 through 17. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. So it's very, very important for you to understand that God is a giver. Um, how many you know God is not cheap? Right, yeah. You know, I mean, God is so expensive. He was willing to give the most expensive thing he had, which was His son. Mm-hmm. OK, so this is not a cheap individual. You know, my wife was talking about a, a word that I used this past week and how that triggered something in her. You very he- rarely hear people say that God is an opulent God. Okay, you very really that's opulence. That's typically a term that you can't really get any greater with prosperity on planet Earth. But the word we use for opulence is still poverty to God. It's just the word that we can use. But God is a very very opulent God. He never changes. And so since He never changes, they don't want you to have a mansion in heaven and then supposed to live in poverty on Earth. That don't make that don't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? You know He said, "I change not. And I'm not a respecter of persons." And so First uh, Timothy six seventeen. Amplified version as for the rich in this world, charge them that they uh, not be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others. But in uh, to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our what enjoyment. OK, I hope that's up there. Yeah, there it is. That was the last word. They couldn't squeeze it all on one. OK. So it says that he richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, people read those scriptures and it's a it's a little small thought that goes through your head. And you keep on reading. You're like, well, if that's true, where's all that? at? Okay. so the problem is not on God's end. The problem is on our end. Because that's one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, is how to receive from God. Um, Because I told you before, you know, we've become masters of teaching on how to sow seed. You know, but we have still a novices in the area of how to receive a harvest. You know, I mean, we masters of sow seed. Man, we sow a seed on purpose, by accident, in obedience, disobedience, living right, not living right, sowing seed by the spirit, under duress, under threats. We know how to sow seed. <laughs> when it comes to the harvest, though, psh, it's that won't he do it, I found $5 in the parking lot. But God richly and ceaselessly provides us which means that this stuff that's stacked up on the other side okay. that has not come to you yet, okay? Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, okay? The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. You have no choice. It makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow. Um, he adds no sorrow with it. Um, you know what? Let me say this. I don't know why I'm, I just I just keep popping up. You know, let me, let me tell you the arena that the Lord has taken us into. The arena that the Lord has taken us into is one by which you will have to be very responsible with your faith, particularly you all that are in business and you all that are creators, creators in the area of music, uh, playwrights, um, video, audio um, that keeps popping up is that you have to be very, very careful because you can start operating in faith and, and, and your faith will actually bring you things. It's your faith, but it'll start bringing you things that you have to reject. And so that's why God is saying that you need to be very specific with your faith, because you can get in. You know, certain arenas when you use it, it'll just start bringing all of this activity. You know, and to start bringing this, and you assume that it's God because it showed up. Just because it showed up doesn't mean it's God. Because faith will bring you stuff that's wicked if you use it. Tower of Babel proved that Tower of Babel. They were building that big old city operating in faith in their imagination and God had to stop them people. They were using faith. OK, but their faith brought them something that God said we can't stop the law, but we're going to show enough have to stop them because they are using faith to bring. So you got to be careful because the dimension that this church is operating with its people, it'll start bringing you things and that your faith to get to working. And because your faith just brings you stuff. And you got to know when to accept, you know, you, you start getting a whole bunch of jobs. And well, I got to reject this. You'll start getting a bunch of clients. And, and, and no, I, I can't use you and I can't do work for you because of what you want me to do. You understand what I'm saying? See, that's the responsible side of faith. You know, you see it in the superhero movies where much, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, you need to start saying that with great faith comes great responsibility. OK, so that's a word for somebody, you know, but the Bible says that we um. It says the blessing of the Lord makes rich. You know, I, and I was thinking about something. And I, you know, how do you know? How do you, Christians the only ones that get uh, they, they get put on trial because of their blessings. We're the only ones that get put on trial. I mean, it's okay for the sinners to sin their way into prosperity, but we can't bless ourselves into it. I mean, it's, I mean, and, and I'm just being honest with you, we. And, and wait a minute, we get put on trial, and sometimes the jurors are the church folk. You know, and and. You know, you, you know how they had these Senate hearings and, and uh, a brother Otha. Is it true that you got a big house? And then they, you got to explain it. You know? Is, you know what I'm saying? And, and, I mean, it's just, and I was just thinking about that, how, and I'm not, this, I'm, not I'm not saying any negative thing about anybody. Look, if they're going to pay you to do whatever you're doing, fine. But it's amazing to me how nobody has a problem with any of the senators that got all of this money. No, they probably got with any, any of the rappers and the R&B singers and the rock and roll and, and country and, and all of the raggedy, nasty, terrible, wicked lyrics. And, and most Christians buy the stuff and don't say nothing about their big houses. And, and you know, I mean, even now, I mean, every once in a while, I got to run into this while I'm on the street. And, you know, you know how, you know, what happened to saying hello to a fellow guy? You know, now it's, hey, what's going on, player? You know, I mean, they, you know, you know, I've had people call me, you know, oh, what's up, pimp? You know, I mean, it's just its just like even the pimps and the players, they're not being rebuked for their prosperity where it's now become a term of endearment. Y'all know what I'm saying? This is just raggedy. <clears throat> you know, and I'm still amazed. And I'm, hey, if they're going to pay you to do this, I have no problem. But I'm still amazed that we live in a world and a society where they're going to pay you $60 million to wear a pair of gym shoes. You, all you got to do is put them on. How many you know for $60 million, man, I'll wear some multicolored house shoes with... <laughs> pink and yellow ribbons and bunny for $60 million. I wear almost anything, almost anything. Not anything, but I might come close. I mean, you know, for $60 million, you're like, I might be embarrassed for the rest of my life and they gonna not, they're not gonna let, I'm not gonna lay this down, but I'm gonna get this money. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, you take a bat and all you do is hit a ball and then run to this little white thing on a dirt mound and they're gonna pay you $30 million. And nobody has a problem with this. But the folk that's living right, the folk that God calls his sons and his daughters and his queens and his kings and and more than conquerors and ambassadors and lords and priests, them folk that's praying for people, them folk that's the salt of the earth, them folk that if it wasn't for us, the whole planet would be destroyed. Them folk, no, make sure you keep them broke. If Benny Hinn, this actually happened, if Benny Hinn buys a car that costs $45,000, talk about him and say he a money-grubbing preacher. Have y'all got cars that cost more than that? $45,000, I saw it myself on the news. Okay, so, so, so we're the only ones to get put under trial, you know, and it's for that. Remember what Jesus said? He said, he said, and when I bless you, he said it's going to come with persecution because the devil does not want my folk having nothing. He wants everything and he wants God to be broke. Okay, so you can throw this graphic up there. God is a giver. God loves to give and he loves to give you what you love as long as it won't hurt you or take away from him. I'm going to read that again. God is a giver. God loves to give, and he loves to give you what you love as long as it won't hurt you or take you away from him. Okay. And, and, and see, I wrote down a few things because I'm not like T.D. Jakes and can rattle this stuff off for 20 minutes straight. And, 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 and one of the things that the Lord really, really uh, spoke to me about today is, is that... Um, uh, his people, one of the problems with the sons and daughters of God is they don't know how far God will go when it comes to them. You know, and so, so what's, what's, see, this stuff is unconscious in you. It's a mindset. It's a stronghold. And so in your mind, God will only go as far as what you saw him go in somebody else's life, especially if you think they're better. He'll, he'll only go as far as what the pastor told you he would go. He'll only go as far as what you grant. See, you get to see, because Christians are always under trial. You know, the Lord spoke to me something else. I know I'm off again. The Lord spoke to me something else about, about gravity. You know, you're, you're, you're always, I was watching a, um, whatever I was watching. They got this little, it's a good show, but it's a dumb show at the same time. Um, it's something, The Rock, it's talking about planet Earth. Will Smith is the one hosting it. Um, this strange rock. It's talking about planet Earth. And so there was a section on there and they were talking about gravity. And and they were talking about how powerful gravity is and how in outer space, because there is no gravity, your body begins to deteriorate like crazy. They said, because your body is actually pre-programmed to live under the weight of gravity. And how they will lose, they got to have, they got, in outer space, they have the top of the line equipment for working out. Because they said, you live under the stress of gravity so much, it's unconscious. It never stops. It's there 150% of the time. And so, and, and that weight of gravity, that thing is designed, it's a force that's designed to keep everything down. And so, without you knowing it, you know, the only reason why you can keep your head up right now is because you're forcing to keep your head up. If you just let yourself go, you just slump over just like that. You're always exerting energy to keep yourself up under the weight of gravity. When you get up from that chair, you got to exert energy because there's a force that's always trying to keep you down. If I drop, you know, you see it in outer space. You drop something in outer space and it just stays there because there's no gravity. Well, what the Lord began to speak to me today, He said, He said that is what my sons and daughters are when it comes to the weight of this darkness in this world. You're always under that weight. You're always under it. So, so when it comes to this prosperity thing. If you don't know how to fight and exert energy at all times in order to have movement, that thing will hold you down and you'll be in poverty for the rest of your life. Y'all you understand what I'm saying? Same way gravity holds you down, and it, and because it's always there, the only way for you to supersede it is you got to exert physical energy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to. You know, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, from lifting your head up, how I many know it's can hard to get up out of bed? But if you were in outer space, it'd be easy. You would be already floating. I mean, they would. I mean, just. They talked about the, the, your circulatory system, how it works based on the law of gravity. So in outer space, everything is get off. Your blood does not circulate correctly. Your heart does not pump correctly. They said you're constantly in a, in a feeling that you've been upside, uh, you know, how somebody can grab you out of legs and hold you upside down. They said that's the constant feeling like somebody has been holding you upside down for the last three hours because everything is off balance because there's no gravity. And so they were talking about how, how, how living under the weight of that. That's why, how many of you know, the older you get, the more stuff starts sinking. You know why? Because you don't know that it's, just, it's this force always pushing everything down. Always. You're under it right now. It's pushing you down. And we got to, no, Lord, never mind. Y'all done took you mind someplace that I didn't want y'all to go. Okay. So, so you need to how, know how far God will go to bypass the weight of poverty that's on this planet. You know, and and I wrote down a few things, and, and I wrote these down to help you to understand. God is not a respecter Not a respecter of persons, would you agree? Okay, what he'll do for another one, he'll do for somebody else. You know, if God gave you faith, this is how far he will go. He will turn a funeral into a celebration. Okay, there was a man in the Bible that his daughter has died, called the Lord, the Lord came over there, and it said that the people were crying and everything, and then it turned into a celebration. If God gave you faith, how far he'll go? he'll go as far as to turn water into cement so you can walk on it. Y'all do realize that Jesus had to live by faith. That's why when he cursed the victory, he didn't say have faith in me, he said have faith in God. That's what one guy said, why you call him? He said, uh, Jesus told him, why are you calling me good? So, so see, I, and I want, you to, I want you to think about this because none of this stuff makes common sense. None of this stuff had to do with salvation, speaking in tongues, healing, deliverance, demons casted out. Most of the stuff that God did for people in the Bible, they could have gone the natural route to do it. Okay. He'll go as far as to turn water into wine so a party can keep going. You've heard me say that multiple times. That's still the most embarrassing one that I have ever seen, Okay, because Mary exercised faith. He'll make food multiply to make it easy on you so you won't have to walk and get food. Because when they were in the wilderness, <laughs> the disciples said, Lord, should we go to and there was, a, By the way, there was more than one scenario in the Bible where God multiplied fish and loaves. It was actually several, but it's two specifically that it brings out. He did this multiple times, by the way. I can see doing it in the case of an emergency. He's just doing this regularly every day like this is his lifestyle. Okay. And they said, one time they said, Lord, do you want us to go to town and, and spend money on all these people? He said, no, just make the people sit down in the 50s. Another time they said, Lord, uh, we need to send the people away. Jesus said, no. He said they might get a little too tired because they've been out here too long. Let's just multiply and loads. See, somebody else would have said, look, man, okay, understand, they shouldn't they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have, this is how I would have said it. They shouldn't have been out here for three days. They should have brought some, some, some bread baskets in the first place. Why would you leave the house and not leave with any food and you got kids? You know what I'm saying? That's how we will be out there religiously talking. So, so go on and walk. You walked out here, you can walk back home. And Jesus said, no, we don't need to do that. He said, because uh, I want you to see that what God is trying to transform your mind with is, is quit looking at these stories in the Bible as fairy tales. That's what the church right now, is. they're they, they teaching this stuff in the Bible like it's a fairy tale. And the reason why it's a fairy tale because no can seemingly walk in it. And so can't, since nobody can seemingly walk in it, then we got to treat it as a fairy tale. And the Bible ain't no fairy tale. It's a reality tale. It's an instruction booklet for his sons. Here, these are the instructions. See what I mean, I want you, I want you to just listen to a few of these and say, if God, the Bible says we live under a better covenant. So if he was willing to go this far for them, and you have the Holy Ghost, they didn't. You got the name of Jesus, they didn't. You got the blood of Jesus, they didn't. Mm, mm, mm. He'll go as far as to heal any sickness and disease, including raise someone from the dead that had been dead for four days already. And one of the lady said, well, we don't believe this will work because his body started decomposing and he stinks. And so faith will go as far as to raise somebody from the dead and then reverse the 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 the, the rate of the de- it was a decomposition. Reverse it and then heal you of the thing that killed you in the first place. You would have been like, well, you know, he did. He had a good life. Jesus didn't appreciate that. Man, Mac, y'all remember that the scripture that says, you know, we've been saying that as grace for all of these years. You know, when you don't know another scripture, what do you say? Jesus wept. Let me ask you a question. Why would you cry over something that you yourself getting ready to reverse? People like Jesus was set, upset. The man, when you go read that scripture, you don't even have to read it carefully. Just read it. The man got so frustrated, it said he started crying over their unbelief. You ever got so frustrated, you just start crying? You ever got so mad, you just started crying? I mean, Jesus got so frustrated, he just started crying. Can you imagine this man is sobbing? He's like, oh, y'all are getting on my nerves. And that's why he hollered at that woman. She said, I believe he'll get up during the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. Go read Matthew 27 later on. Matthew 27, 50 through 54. Did y'all know that when Jesus died, it says a large number of the graves opened up and people got up out of the grave and walked back to town. When you go back and read it, it says that when he died, I read it. (laughs) I read it today. As a matter of fact, I read it right before I came in here. It says uh, when Jesus died, he said, I gave up the ghost. He said, my spirit is departed into hell. It says a large number of people Got up out the graves, but it said they sat there until he was resurrected. Go back and read it. It said they sat in the grave over a three day period. And then when he was resurrected, then they went into the town and witnessed that Jesus got up from the dead. None of the stuff in the Bible makes sense, folk. He will go as far as to break the rules of nature and make an axe head swim. So you read that religiously. But but y'all, this don't make no sense that you grab a stick and throw it on the water. And then, you see, I'm I'm trying to get you to understand how many of you know in order for an axe head to swim, the laws of nature must be broken. In order to turn water to wine, the laws of any of y'all ever seen any water that you kept on the counter for a few days and you came back later and had fermented into some type of juice, (laughs) milk, ripple, anything. You got to break the laws of nature. You got to break the laws of nature when you got a little bit of food and the laws of faith. You know know what's crazy, y'all, is that the Bible makes it clear that in both cases, the food kept on multiplying until everybody was full. Not everybody had a bite. I got going to have me. Keep swirling around to change your mentality, because right now the, the church has this mentality of, Lord, just give us just give us a piece of bread to make it to the restaurant. Lord said, no, I'm going to give you enough bread where you never have to go to a restaurant again. He will go as far as to make hungry lions lose their appetite around you. That's called Daniel in the lion's den. I want you to think about this. This man's faith, when he got, these lions were hungry. When you go read the full story, it says that when Daniel was taken out of the lion's den, they threw some other family members in there and it says that the lion tore them to pieces before they even hit the ground. How many know that's hungry? It didn't matter how hungry them lions were. When faith got in operation, it changed the nature of a lion. He was full when you were around. He was hungry until you showed up, and then he was full when you were there. Fire will lose its ability to burn you. Y'all remember the three Hebrew boys? See, all of this stuff is unnecessary, folk. You keep reading this stuff as fairy tales. But, but when you read each one of these scenarios, it was what the men said. Daniel said, Oh, that's wonderful. You remember what Daniel said? He said, you know, the, the, the people around him, he was a political figure, they didn't like the fact that he was a man of God and that he was praying. They said, we're going to trick the king into passing a law to make it illegal to pray. So they, they passed a the law, and it says Daniel, right after the law was passed, it said Daniel went and opened his window and showed everybody he was going to pray to defy this. How many of you know that's faith? Okay said so they put that man right in the lion's and They said them like, see, he was down there petting the lions and everything. Them lions are like, man, we're so hungry. We can't even do nothing right now because that angel is over there with that sword. And if we try to eat this man, he'll be on God. That's exactly what happened. Change changed the nature, okay? When it came to the three Hebrew boys, you remember what they said? They said, we ain't bound. They said, our God is surely able to deliver us. That's faith talking. See, faith doesn't beg. Faith always is bragging. That's something else. See, but you've been taught that if you bragging on, if you're bragging, that's pride. No, it's not. It depends on what I'm bragging about. If I'm bragging on God, if I'm bragging about what's getting ready to happen, if I'm bragging about where I'm going, that ain't, that's just, that's just talking. Hey. Yeah, I remember that. He will go as far as to make the whole planet stop turning to answer a prayer. That's Joshua. Joshua killing folk. Bible says Joshua never did pray. (laughs) I wrote that down. It says Joshua says, son, stand still. So we can keep on killing these people. I got a problem with that, folk. I got a problem with the fact that God will make. How many know the sun does not move? So God made the whole planet stop. See, this is as far. See, if you don't have a revelation that God will go this far for you, you're not going nowhere. You're just going to have a little bit of something. You're just going to have a little tip. You know, just pass me not on gentle savior. You know, you're going to have one of them type of blessings where we're just going to pass you by and drop a loaf of bread on our front door. When you get a revelation of how far God is willing to go, he's willing to go much further than you want him to go. He's willing to go much further than you think he will go. I want you to think about the ludicrous mentality of a man that has the audacity and the gall to speak to the son and expect the sun to stop moving. And the sun doesn't move. So God didn't answer what he said. He answered what he meant. Sun doesn't move, so God knew what He meant, so He just stopped the planet from turning. And man, I'm sorry. Let me just. Yeah, mm, mm, mm. Here, I wrote down another one. He'll hold up an entire city for one man. God was willing to destroy. I want you to realize how powerful we are. Where Adam, Abraham, kept telling God, Lord, I believe. I believe that you should agree with me that if it's, if it's 10 righteous people in this city, then you shouldn't destroy the whole city. And as wicked as that, many I mean, that was a wicked city. How many know it was wicked when every man and boy is gay? And then they all showed up to the same house. This is some, this is another level of wickedness. This is, this is a level of wickedness that makes wickedness look like it's righteousness. This is, we don't know what this is. And yet God was like, okay, cool, Abraham, since you're interceding and you believe, because you ain't going to ask God for something like that if you don't believe you can get his attention. He said, if it's only 10 righteous, then I'll spare a city that wicked over the 10. That's your holding power with God. When the Bible says we are the salt of the earth, that's exactly what it means. Hebrews eleven five. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. But well, before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. So we always talk about Enoch being snatched out of, out of the planet Earth before he died. But the Bible says he did this because he believed this. So Enoch got taken out the planet because apparently he was exercising faith to be taken out the planet. So God, man, to y'all plan tonight, that's all right. I just want you to think about this because if how I mean, know if you ask the good right reverend, if any you, anything that I have mentioned up until this point, if you had a went, one of your Christian friends and your grandmama who have coffee with Jesus every morning and your pastor, you know, who's an expert on everything, then, then they would have told you, no, sir, you're playing with, don't play with God. That's, that's the favorite slogan in the church. If you give God enough faith, he'll go as far as to give you twins at the age of 70. That's happened at a Udabo church. They have more babies at 70 than we over here having at 30. These are not isolated incidents. One girl, one lady, she was 75 and had triplets. We were watching uh, the, the the thing one time, and the lady came on the stage, and a, a husband holding two babies, and she holding one, and, and then they had a younger girl with them, and, and I said, man, he got a younger wife. She was the servant girl. Taking care of the family. You know, you hire somebody to be your servant. I ain't talking about no slave thing. I'm talking about, you know, a servant thing. She was a servant girl. I'm thinking that the other mama was a grandmama. It was the one that looked like the grandmama that had the kids because she was 70. Up there with triplets. That was the first time I heard it. And then, and then every time I'm listening to a youthful, they got another 70-year-old up there having another. I'm like, what is going on in the water in Nigeria? This ain't water, son. This is faith. The Bible says all things are possible. But you believe they told you after the age of 40, you can't do nothing. Y'all remember Gideon? Gideon had a 32,000-man army. When you go back and read Gideon, it says he had a 32,000-man 32, army, and the, the, the army that he was supposed to take on was 135,000 men strong. Now, how many you know 135,000, 32,000, you are already outnumbered. So why in the world do we need to whittle this down to 300? This is beyond. It's already crazy that we only got 32,000 and we believe this is going to work. Now you're going to tell us to get rid of all these? We only got 300 left. Yes, you're going to take on 300 against 135,000. Because with faith, it wouldn't matter if it was one man left in the army. He still would have won. When you go back and read the story, once God got them down to three hundred, he said, "Okay, all y'all put some ram's horns, blow at the same time, and say the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord." And it says the one hundred thirty-five thousand man army says they ran in stark terror, and they got so confused they all killed each other. Gotta go as far as give a man the power, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get you to see none of this had to do with all of the salvation stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? None of this stuff made sense. You don't need to do this, okay? I mean, wh- wh- why did the Bible want you to know about the victories and not the failures? And in the failures that he tells you about, he tells you how they recovered, like David. I mean, wh- why do they want you to know that David had the ability to kill a bear with his bare hands? Why do they want you to know that he want, they want you to know that he had the ability to kill a lion with his bare hands? why do they want you to how many know you ain't taking on this boy had no well yes he did, he had a little bit of training, and then the man took on the baddest warrior in the planet at that time by the name of Goliath. And you're gonna fight him with a rock. See what I'm trying to get you to understand, y'all, is that is that you gotta immerse yourself in, okay, if God says nothing is impossible, then maybe what's going on is that I'm thinking too low. Maybe what's going on is that, is that I'm looking at how much my ticket item costs, and, and I have limited God because I don't think He'll go that far. And, and yet, I can pretty much guarantee you, I can pretty much guarantee you right now, and I haven't seen your list, and I hope you're not crazy enough to still have not done it yet, but, but I can pretty much guarantee the stuff that y'all are exercising faith for is a whole lot more common sense than everything that I've read up until this point. Yeah. Hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. I mean, that don't make no sense. God always, no, look, first of all, it makes no sense how far God was willing to go. It makes no sense how what the victories that God wanted him to have. And then it made no sense. The instructions that came in order for them to get the victory. When you're to read about this Jer- Jericho thing, God told him, all right, this is what y'all going to do. He said, I want you to march around the city once a day and don't say nothing. Guess what the first word would have been? How come we can't say nothing? Because he told us not to say nothing. You're talking already. He said, march around the city one time and don't say nothing. How I many you know this is messing with your mind? This, see, this a go- see, I'm trying to get you to understand. God can bring you out o- overnight, but it's not going to be conventional. Okay, Conventional warfare don't say nothing about walking around the city. Conventional warfare says bring all of the, uh, back then, you bring the entire army to the front of the city and you stand there and then you send an emissary into the place and or they, they, the two kings would meet on the battlefield. Do we have terms? Do we really want to kill all these people over this? And if they couldn't come to terms, well, we going to war. It was, it was amazing how back then, and even to, well, I shouldn't say today. Back then, you, we were at war with each other, but for this moment, we would respect you and allow you to come into our camp to talk to us. Are we going to go at war? Yeah, we're going to go at war. Well, good luck. hey. And so that's, you know, so that's conventional. And then, you know, you see all of the, I love watching those old movies. They start raining down fire and brimstone, and bam, you just go to war. That's conventional, Right. What is not conventional is y'all marching around the city and ain't even saying nothing. I mean, can you imagine when the king, what are they doing, protesting? Well, no, they ain't even saying nothing. (laughs) They just march around the city, and then you come back and just stand there. And then the next day, you start that on Sunday. And then on Monday, you get up, and, and the whole army march around the city. They don't even say nothing. Can you imagine what's going through their mind? And you, can you imagine what's going through the enemy's mind? like, is this some new tactic we don't know about? Do they got some type of special weaponry and, and you do that? And then he said, on the last day, I don't want you to walk around one time. I want you to walk around seven times. He said, now, once you walk around on the last day seven times, after you've walked around the seventh time, he said, shout. They did that and the walls came down. No bloodshed. Flawless victory. Nobody got killed. Nobody got hurt doing it God's way. But it was unconventional you understand what I'm saying? So if you're looking for if you're looking for the Lord to give you a common sense word, you might as well go back to school and get your degree where they do common sense. That's not common sense either. They're teaching you stuff you can't even use in the community. Okay, and you know, and you know, part of the problem, y'all, you know, part of the issue, y'all, is that the pastor is really a messenger boy. And and the you know, I was I was watching a pastor, and and I was looking, and he was preaching something, and I've become very, very, very aware of what it means to be when we say we preach a message. And I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about, and I understand this is going to be a little squeamish when it comes to other pastors, but I want you to think about the fact that we claim that we have a message from God. Okay? And now the question is, is that the stuff the preacher's been preaching, was that really a message from God? Because it's only a message from God if when he came down, he would have taught it the same way. <laughs> I got to let that sink in for a second. Y'all, try- I mean, I mean, when, when, when we talk, when you had these guys talking about, well, you know, we got to be careful. Okay, would well, Jesus say that? Did he, when, when he cursed the fig tree, did he turn to the disciples and say, now be careful, you want, you want to focus on the leaf for a little while first. Did he say that? Then he said, You got you to be, you got you, this could get you in trouble. You didn't say nothing about that. He said, Oh, y'all like that? <laughs> See that mouth? I mean, so I'm trying to get you to understand that part of the problem is, oh, God, you are infected with the DNA of preachers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's controlling your mindset. Yeah. Some of the best sermons that I have ever heard are sermons about what God won't do. Man, them some of the best sermons at all. Man, if you want to hear, really, hear a really good sermon, man, find one of them sermons where the preacher teaches that tongues is not for everybody. Man, them one of the best sermons you ever hear. Tongues ain't for everybody. I mean, you, you speak in tongues and you believe you're not supposed to speak in tongues after to listening to them because the message is so good. And you assume that because somebody stands up here and says God sent me here to tell you today, you assume he's telling the truth. Because I I always remember this about Jesus. When you really pay attention to what Jesus taught, it was never half-stepping. It was never 99%. It was always 100. Name one person in the Bible that Jesus said they were going too far. One. Okay? The woman that walked up behind him and came up with this crazy theory. You know what? I ain't got to talk to Jesus. I'm going to just touch his clothes. He turned around. See, there's another principle that shows you faith has been pre programmed to respond to you without God's help. That's why it's so dangerous. Because the woman snuck up behind Jesus and that power came around him. He said, Who did that? Okay. And did he rebuke her about her method? Did he say you shouldn't play with God like this? OK, when, when it when it came to the turning into turning the wine and, and the water, I mean, did he give somebody a speech about, you know, we really shouldn't be doing stuff like this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and just do it this one time. I mean, when he cursed the fig tree, I mean, did he give him a dissertation on the nature of fig trees and, you know, and, and pineapples and, and all? no, he didn't. I mean, it's just amazing. And so the problem is, is that I'm going to put myself in the lump for humility's sake. The problem is we ain't preaching it the way he would preach it if he would preach it. We're not saying it the way he said it in the word. We take the word and then water it down to fit our personal comfort zone and then dish it out to you and it even comes out more watered down and then we wonder why God ain't confirming something because he only confirms his word. And so this is what this turns into is a great big old pep rally on Sunday morning. Lord, y'all, don't get me wrong. How many of you know? Y'all, we, I, I got lots of pastor friends that that are moving in buildings. Lots of pastor friends that are moving in buildings. But well, you want to know what the Holy Ghost told me? He said atheists can do that. You ain't doing nothing. I mean, most y'all, you're not doing nothing because you're a pastor and you save up the money that the people gave in the offering and you move into a new building. Atheists do that. Anybody can do that. See, so what happens is, is you got all these individuals, nothing wrong with that. Do me wrong. We, how many know, y'all can only imagine what our future buildings are going to be like. I saw something today. I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to show you Let me finish the point first. Thank you. <laughs> okay, but, but see, what happens is, is, that, is that churches move in the new buildings and they think that's prosperity. No, that's called saving and then getting a loan or saving and then moving into a new building. And so that's why, so, so guess what? The people get excited about the new building, but they don't, they get, they don't get excited about what's going on in their personal life. So th- this is, oh, Jesus. I know I'm going deeper now. See, this is where this comes in, where, where you end up celebrating your life based on what the pastor walks in. And he ain't walking to nothing. He's just living off the tithes and offerings. So people are impressed that we're moving into a new building when you either get a loan or you save up money, you buy a building debt-free. Wonderful. That's honorable, but it doesn't teach people how to get out of their situation. And then the people celebrate, oh, look at God, yes and oh, wonderful, all of that, but where is he at in your life? That's what I want to know. I care about no preacher and what he walking in and what he driving and all that type of stuff. I want to know how can I get this in my life. And so the people sit there and they celebrate in the prosperity of the pastor. Why they themselves don't get ever get debt free and they don't ever do nothing because he don't know how to teach it. He, knows, he just knows how to do it based on the money that's coming in. Am I just keeping it real, y'all? Look, in order to help people, I gotta, you got to understand what the problem is. So you stop drinking the Kool-Aid and a decaffeinated coffee. Most Christians don't understand the laws of abundance. They understand the laws of survival. That's why they're always looking for a word. Oh, you yeah, I'm killing y'all. I'm just, I mean, y'all, folk calling me on the phone, texting me, email me. One brother called me crying, man, <laughs> they've been robbing me. I said, what? Did somebody break into your house or something? No, all these preachers, man, because what you do, dude, man, I've been robbed. <laughs> And I said, don't worry. God is a redeemer of the robberies. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that again. Most Christians don't understand the laws of abundance. They understand the laws of survival. That's why they're always looking for a word. Now watch this. In the financial institutions, let me ask you a question. Okay, if if you want to take a financial class, do you show up looking for a word? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that we are part of a greater financial system than the worldly one. Right. In the world, we don't go to the, you don't go to a professor and say, you got a word for me? Did the Lord tell you anything about me? Yeah, yeah, read your book, man, and study and tell you how I lost all that money going to the stock market, praying in tongues in front of the screen, thinking the Lord was going to tell me, no, we're not about to help you with this fool. We're going to let you lose this money. Okay? There's a difference between the laws of abundance and the laws of survival. With the laws of abundance, it requires you to ingrain yourself in the mindset of prosperity. It requires you to read a book and books and books and books. It requires, see, this is what we do. Okay, we fill out an application and and we always do the minimum. I want you to think about that. We always do the minimum. Okay, If, if we fill out for a job, we do one job, okay? If if they ask you certain questions, you just put one down, okay? When you do fill out for the job, if they, they ask you all the different positions, you just fill out for one. Christians are so used to doing the minimum because we just come to church looking for a word and that one word is supposed to bring us a million dollars, okay? But, but, y'all, when you ingrain yourself in prosperity, when you say, okay, let me see how hard I can work, even if it means I got to work, y'all, it's okay for you to have to work two jobs or one job for a while or three jobs for a while. God wants us to work some type of way. What he doesn't want you to do is get a million dollars and just sit around twiddling your thumbs, playing Xbox and eating Krispy Kreme donuts and watching stupid stuff on TV all day. God needs hard workers. You understand that sometimes finances can make you lazy. He needs you to work. You got to ingrain yourself. I was on the bed today. This is when my wife's going to (laughs) shout. I was on the bed today. And this is exactly how the Holy Ghost, the Holy ghost got a way of saying stuff to kind of rebuke you and, and ease you at the same time and, and make you feel like a complete idiot, but realize you get mad and I got to do something about this. You know what the Holy Ghost told me? And this may not be worth for everybody. This is what he told me today. He said, you're talking all of this prosperity and all of this wealth and how you a son and you more than a conqueror and wealth is laid up for the just and all that type of stuff. Yet when it comes to the one arena that got more wealth than others, you ain't in it. It's called the star market. It's like what he said to me today. He said, why are you not in it? It's the one arena that got more wealth. It's the one arena. You don't got to go to school. You just got to read. It's the one arena. And I sat there again, just threw my iPad down. (laughs) Then I picked it right back up and started looking up. See, this is what you do. You look up online investing. What's a Roth IRA? Mm, This ain't Jesus. Put it down. Instead of going up and not only finding out what a Roth IRA is, but finding out what is an IRA. Sound like a special forces group from Iran or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, what is an IRA? What are the different types? I mean, y'all, in there, because money rules this world, there is so much to money it will blow your mind. I went on a particular uh, investment website, and, and they, they got all type of tools and, and free tools, and, and, and you can do something called paper trade. It's called pretending. Well, you just you just you, you pretend like to see how well you would do. That's going to require homework, but it might make you a gazillionaire. The stock market that made more millionaires and billionaires than you can count. So that was a personal world for me. You, you're talking but see, but See, because let me tell you what. Ah, help me, Jesus. Let me let me tell you what the Lord is trying to get you into. He's trying to get you out of just this one mode of thinking. See, he, what, what? See what? You, this is how this is how a lot of people think. I got to stop saying Christians because that's not true. This is how people think. Well, you know, I got a restaurant, and I'm in the start market. You know, and and let me think. And what did you say? I and I got a hotel. You know, and 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 the hotel is is doing pretty good. But you know, the start market, you know, it ain't doing too well. And you know, the restaurant is just basically struggling. And but see, God don't want you to be satisfied with that. See, one of the things the Lord is trying to get His people to do is to take ownership of the planet. Take, st- I know a pastor right now. Lord told him, I didn't call you to be no pastor. I called you to go in the stock market. He shut the church down, went to the stock market, became a multimillionaire. Because you keep equating going into the stock market as unspiritual and pastoring as spiritual when God is all the same. It's all spiritual. See, and so it, it, and I, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate because this just I got to go back to the church for a moment. It's been this church culture that's been created where everything, oh, everything is about the church not the church being about his business. There's a difference between everything is in the four walls and everything. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm trying my best today. I'm struggling. But I think y'all understand what I'm saying. Okay, I mean, I was, look, look I had finished my vision board. I can't even tell you. I can't, I can't even give you testimony until it's over. I had finished my vision board. It's illustrious, by the way. <laughs> I'm telling you. Y'all better quit playing finished my vision board, and there was one thing that was bigger than all of them I hadn't put down. I'm riding, I told my wife this today, I'm riding my bike down the trail today, and as I'm riding my bike, the Holy Spirit is giving me a vision of my vision board. And it's the exact vision board except for the one thing that I did not put down, which is the biggest thing. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So I didn't put it down, but in the vision, he put it down so that I would put it down. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all think too small. Right, right. See, you, we right now, what we thinking is, you know, just, just give me a little bit to pay these bills. That's right. <laughs> you know, called crumb. That's the slavery mentality. Yeah. Just, 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 you know. And, and if I do get a business, you know, just, you know, just, you know, just, just give me a nice business. You know what I'm saying? Give me, give me a clothing line or give me a restaurant that kind of blends into the community. I don't. You know, watch this. You being nice. Don't give me anything that's gonna sh- put the other restaurants out of the business. Don't, don't give me a bank what other banks got to shut down. Don't, don't give me a store and the guy across the street, he got to shut down. You don't know the guy across the street. Even if he a Christian, maybe he ain't supposed to open up a store. And when you open up your store, it's his sign that he's supposed to shut down and do what he's supposed to do. Quit worrying about, ooh, Jesus, y'all worried about too many feelings all the time. Y'all don't think God does stuff like that. Y'all, if it's us against Satan, who do you think the Lord want to win? I mean, it's us against Satan's folk, and God wants us to be low. Let me go ahead and just keep on moving here. Okay, so it's you know it's, it's like spreading your wings. It's 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 like I'm trying to think of something. You know, it's kind of like doing financially what ladies do with the ball. You know, they they only need one dress. You know, but but the, but the typical woman, she she gonna make sure she go. You know, I, I've seen women. You know, they 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 go in the store and they're like, oh, that's the dress right there. But let me go to all of the other stores and be thorough just in case. And brothers going across the mall like, oh, Lord, I'm in a chain gang, Jesus. <laughs> Guys walk in the mall and just get tired. We just, as soon as we step in, oh, I need I need one of I've been tempted sometimes to get one of them riding things a couple of times we were out there. <laughs> Years ago, we used to, I mean, I was out there one time. I can't remember what we were doing. And I was so tempted to get one of them things. <laughs> I had to be careful with people. I, was, I remember when, when we first opened up this church, there was a wheelchair sitting up front. And I was just tired. I wanted to sit in a wheelchair. And so, you know, one of the old saints rebuked me. That's the spirit of handicap came upon me. You know, I was like, this is a chair with wheels. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's how I see. We always think of poverty, always worried about what happened to us. Man, I oh, get in a wheelchair in a second and have you cart me around the whole mall. <laughs> Having fun. OK, Devon has sent me some information about Dave Ramsey. See, I'm, I'm encouraging you all. Don't just wait on a word. Okay, that's one side. I encourage you also, Dave Ramsey is a solid, solid guy. Go on his website. Start studying information. Start looking. I mean, you know, Devon had sent me some information. And I've heard this before. And, and, but I got the feeling a little funny because he sent me some information. And it was just little information like if you saved $100 a month for 30 years, you'll be a millionaire. Because of compounded interest. You know, and I saw this little thing where it said you got three seconds to choose. Um, would you rather have one million dollars or a penny and it doubles every day for 30 days naturally people say, oh give me the million dollars if you take the penny and it doubles every day for 30 days you end up with 2.6 million see there there are laws when it comes to money but see we're operating in the we're operating in the principles of survival not the principles of abundance and survival mode what you do is you just work you just struggle and you just kind of go with the, and you know what? Do you know that you can start a pattern of not enough where you begin to thrive off of that? You just get, you just get, you, you just get used to not having enough. You just get used to, you know, you can get used to the paycheck is gone on, on Wednesday before Friday and you're riding on fumes and the light. Below. You can get used to that. And because it always works out, you just stay in that zone. It becomes a mentality. And you don't expect anything else because guess what? Things are okay. Riding with Eon. Things are okay when it comes to just chicken and rice in the refrigerator. Y'all, I'm past all of this. I have messed up some things. It is time for me to get my act together. I finished my personal vision board. Today, I started on the one for the church. First thing I put on there is Bishop Oedipo Sanctuary. That's what I was meaning to say earlier. Y'all ain't seen this new sanctuary. Look like Noah's Ark literally, seat 100,000. Children's church seat 10,000. The baptismal pool is a lake. <laughs> I am dead serious. I'm going to show you how this to, uh, this Saturday or Wednesday because the Lord wanted me to show it to you to stoke your faith is, is that it don't matter what the people got to say about that man over there. He already, they're already talking about him because he built a 50,000 seat sanctuary in less than a year. Now he's building a 100,000 seater. Okay? It's a mall connected to the church. I ain't talking about, you know, I ain't talking about them little places where you got, you know, somebody, Africa selling up a little shop, you know, with some clothes and, you know, you see them at. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about a mall, Gucci, and all them stores. You know what's so deep? Everything the world tells us we can't have is not in the Bible. You can't have them all connected to the church. Where's that at in 1 Kings 22 verse nowhere? They're always telling us what we can't have. And the Bible, Jesus is telling them what they could have. I mean, everybody say common sense. Common sense sense says it don't matter how rich you are, if you're gonna overlay your furniture with gold, just use cheap wood underneath. Not Solomon. This man made got ivory and carved furniture out of ivory and then overlaid the ivory furniture with gold. So when you saw the gold chair, no one ever knew it was ivory except for him, and God never complained. And you upset because you want some chrome wheels on your car. So I got to thinking about that, you know, and this was so powerful because I wrote this down. It does not matter how much time has been lost. It does not matter how much money has been lost and wasted. OK, because God is not in the time like you are. See, if you keep staying stuck in the world like I, I thought about that, I thought about man, if, if and, and that's why my wife and I, we said we got to have some discussions with our kids right now. You know, if I if I had been written and rolled about saving one hundred dollars a month and I had stuck to that, I'd be a millionaire right now. Right, right. You understand what I'm saying? OK, but but one thing that the Lord made, made very, it does not matter how much time is lost. Folk, y'all, you get on God's system, man. You'll be like, man, y'all can throw that one hundred a month thing in the trash. Okay. I mean, I'm telling you, God is a redeemer of time. I mean, yeah. Oh, speaking Luke, Luke 15:11 through 32 to illustrate the point further. Luke 15, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, "I want my share of your estate now, before you die." So his father agreed to give it to him. He agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. How many know you're hungry if you eating with the pigs? I'd rather eat with the chickens than the pigs. I mean, at least they're eating bird feed. This, man, this right here is some messed up stuff. 17, when he finally came to his senses, <laughs> that's what we're doing right now. The Lord is making us come to our senses yes. and a great many things. Hallelujah. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hard slaves have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. That's his mentality about messing up. When you mess up, you always want God to treat you like a slave. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a slave. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Mm -mm -mm. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. His father said to the servants, quit, don't waste no time. Mm, mm, mm. Bring the what? Finest robe. But he wasted all his money. Okay, but God's nature does not change when you mess up. I told you, quit giving people bad tips when the service is bad. If somebody treats you raggedy and you got a raggedy waitress, give her a tip like she was a wonderful waitress. Because if you give her a raggedy tip because she was a raggedy waitress, you just became a raggedy customer. You allow somebody else's raggedy foolishness to turn you into raggedy. See, that's what's so wonderful about God. We raggedy, but he stays the same. Since I'm the same, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Ring was, uh, your position is still the same. I don't even know what verse I am. Oh, there he is. 23, and kill the calf we have been fattening. Hmm, that seems like he was waiting on that. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Everybody say, "Uh Uh uh-oh. Let's look at the other son, which is never talked about. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I slave for you. That's your first problem, is you saw yourself as a slave and not a son. And never once refused to do a single thing. You told me, I've been living right all this time. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friend." Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, doesn't matter how low you go, God brings you right back up. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, son, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Here's the moral of this story. It's the only one reason the boy didn't get a party. He never asked. The youngest son with his craziness had enough sense to ask. What's crazy is the son that was raggedy got it because he was asked the one because the, he asked the one who had integrity didn't get nothing because he didn't ask. Right, right. And the crazy part is, is that it says when the first boy asked, it said the man is separated and said, y'all can both have it if you want to. He wouldn't even take it at that time. Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, so, the, so this is a lesson of it's, it's a lesson about God's character. It's a lesson about you might have messed up and you might have blew everything. Let's start over again. And it's also a rebuke to the folk. Well, you ain't special because you didn't mess up. You know what I'm saying? Just be happy I'm giving you something in the first place. Just be happy about that. It's 807. Let's keep on going. Matthew 20, 1 through 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the... Mu- Y'all know the story. I'm not reading this whole long thing. Y'all remember the story. It says he hired some at 9, at 11, at 1, at 3, at 5. That's the moral of the story. It said all of them agreed for the same amount. It says when it got to the end of the day at 6 o'clock, he said bring everybody that we hired and let's all pay them the same amount and you know the story it says the ones who got hired at 9 a.m said hey man we should get more look at all the time we've been out here working okay but let's skip them let's look at what God was willing for to do for willing to do for the ones who only work for, for one hour same as the one who had been working long because God First of all, God ain't no hourly rage in the first place. I told him Sunday, who in the world? See, y'all keep, y'all keep thinking God is going to obey these rules. Who came up with this rule, that 40-hour work week with a 12-hour lunch break? I mean, with a lunch break at 12 o'clock. And, and who came up with all of this foolishness? You read the Bible, it says Abraham and Isaac were just sitting in their tent all day, just bored, just meditating, while the servants was doing everything. So that's the moral of that story. And so, so, so even though these gentlemen... Hadn't been out there for so long, they were able to get a full reward in the smaller amount of time that they were diligent. God didn't ask him to work nine hours, he just asked him to work one. So just do what the Lord tells you to do. Last one Philippians 4 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. What I like about this scripture is. It didn't say, it didn't say um, ask God what the limit should be. It said, you tell God what you need. See, religion to tell you, well, you know, well, make sure it's just what you need. Well, I feel like I need a brand new car. You know what I'm saying? I, this is, see, that was the last one. Y'all, this is what your kids will do. Man. You give your child a choice between an old Xbox And the newest, latest, greatest one. An old iPad versus the new one. A flip phone versus a Samsung or an iPhone. You give your teenager the choice between a used car and a new car. Y'all know where I'm going. You give your typical, now some of these, you know, the boys, they don't quite count. You gotta use electronics with them. When it comes to these girls, you give them a choice of shopping at Walmart versus Macy's. And they don't have a dime looking at you crazy. Why come you ain't spending the money on them like that? You know what I'm saying? Where do they get this from? Do you realize you have to be taught how to be poverty minded? You have to be taught to expect less. You have to be taught to not want the new car. You have to be taught to want a small house. You got to be taught to not want nice clothes. You got to be taught that you understand what I'm saying? And because so many people are taught that, we then live out what we are taught and then create it as doctrine. You gotta be taught that. That's one thing Mozart and I talked about. I told Mozart about that, you know, I don't know, a couple years ago, about, about true creativity in the church. See, when he's playing stuff or Tony is on the drums, okay, they just do it. I mean, no, they just shift on you and it's, you just be sitting up there mad, like, why is this music sounding so good? You know why? Because it takes energy to not be creative. Because he's playing something on the keyboard and he just hears something and it's just a smooth. Ooh, I heard that. Mm, play it. See how smooth that is. Bam. But watch this. Mm, I heard that. Uh, wait a minute. I don't know if I can do that in the church. That requires energy. It requires energy to be poverty minded. You know why? Because it's your heart and your mind conflicting each other. Cause in your heart you really know you want a new car. In your heart, you know you want some more money. In your heart, you know you want nice things. You know you want big things. But your mind and everybody that's been filling it full of a gunk keep telling you you don't, ooh no, but in your heart, you dreaming while you're talking about what you shouldn't have. In your heart, you looking at clothes online, talking about, well, that's probably just too much for me to buy. <laughs> And the Bible talks about your heart condemning you. Okay, so so there's this conflicting in it and it it turns into a sickness and disease and it can turn into jealousy and and resentment. You know, good and well, when that shiny new car pulls up next to you, mm, mm, mm. that's supposed to be, be me. That's supposed to be me, Lord. That's supposed to be me. What is it about on the inside of you that nobody, you can pretend all you want to, but I guarantee you there's probably not a person in here right now that's not satisfied with where they are right now. And the proof is if somebody gives you a million dollars, you you won't reject it. That's proof. Let me tell you something. All these these jokers talk about, well, you know, I got enough. Give them a million dollars. If they reject a million dollars, it tells you if they're telling the truth or not. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So it's really, really simple, folk. Quit worrying about how many sins you committed and your lack of education and and this and that. All of that is stuff that faith does not recognize. It does not recognize how much time is left. It does not recognize how much time has gone by. It doesn't recognize whether you are a Christian or not. I know that shook some food when they called me over that one, but, but they couldn't argue with it because, all the, you know, y'all, the, the people that exercise faith for healing, they weren't saved yet. Some of them were sinning. That's why Jesus said, OK, I healed you, but stop sinning which proves that stopping your sin is not a prerequisite for faith working. Oh, Jesus, I can't believe I just said that. Now, of course, that's why Paul had to say it. Don't get it twisted. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Because people, when they got this revelation, they was like, oh, man, well, we can do whatever we want to do. Paul said, stop. Jesus didn't die for you to live unholy. I'm just trying to show you that faith is so easy that you got to exert energy to stop it. All you got to say is, I don't have a right to this, and my father heavenly father doesn't love me this much because that's all you got to do.